0: Come on, how many of you have ever got that big screen TV and you've tried to work through and figure out the remote? It takes a little while, don't it? So just, just bear with us, all right? Praise the Lord. Well, hey, we're finishing up our a series called Masquerade. This is our last message that we're going to be sharing with you concerning this. And uh, I got to tell you, it has been really uh, encouraging just the, uh, um, you know what? I-, I forgot something. I forgot something entirely. Just because the day has gotten long. So, hey, listen, uh, I was supposed to recognize uh, the new members of GVC. I forgot all about that. So, because we're running so short on time, can we do that next week, guys? Is that all right? Can we do that? I know that it wasn't scheduled that way, but uh, uh, I know some other people wanted to get up afterwards. And so, forgive me for running short on time and just allowing us to jump right into the message. Is that all right? Can I get an Amen? Can I say we we understand, Pastor? All right, well thank you for your understanding one way or another for those that just are so <laughs> Forgive me, that's my fault. I'm sorry. And just as I started talking, I remember that. So Forgive me. Rewind. We're going to start again. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. So as I said, I've been encouraged just with this message uh, and just the results and the response of just what we've been talking about and just people, how people have responded to that message of masquerade and hiding behind the masks of life, and obviously it has an opportunity of hitting us all somewhere in our life, hitting us uh, in in somewhere that uh, we're living, and so uh, I trust that it's been a blessing to you. I trust that today will continue to be a blessing to you. Next week, we're starting a new series that's called This Ain't No Game Show, and so we're excited about that. You'll want to be uh, around for that for the next several weeks in that series. Amen? Well, hey, in regards to today's message, I just was thinking about just the... The affairs of life and how sometimes things just catch you off guard. Have you ever been traveling on the road and it seems as though there's nothing in sight? And all of a sudden you feel that feeling. And you're like, I need to use the restroom. And you're looking for somewhere and it's just like, I don't see nowhere to stop. And finally you see an exit and that says there's There's something there and you get off to the exit and you run into the restaurant or the restroom, the gas station, whatever it is. And when you go in there and you're thinking, oh, dear God, I'm floating, i got to go. And you see a sign on the door that says, out of order. You know what I mean? Oh, man, it's the worst. Or, you know, you're, you're you're driving down the road, and it seems as though you're on vapors, and the bell's going off in your car, and that little light shines and says, you need gas, and you need gas now. And you pull in, knowing that you're on vapors, and you see this gas station that is just so full of cars, but there's that one stall that's open, and so you pull in there thinking, man, I got it. And you pull in, and they got the little bag over the nozzle, and it says out of order and you're like oh and you're not able to get the gas that you're wanting or maybe you can think of when you maybe maybe your kids or just whatever the the scenario might be but you go to the vending machine and you put the money in and you're thinking out of order and it's not working Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you ever experienced that in life? And isn't it funny that when you feel that feeling and says, man, I'm full and I'm about ready to burst, I'll do something about it. Or when it comes to needing gas and I'm running on vapors, I'll do something about it. But when it comes to that vending machine of life, Jesus has already paid the price to win the game, but so very few of us do anything about it. Yet we'll continue to go through life as though life is out of order. And many people in life struggle with emotions. Many people struggle from time to time. And so today, the last message that we're going to talk about in this series called Masquerade is the mask of depression. And it's one of those subjects that many people hide behind because we don't want people to know that we're struggling emotionally. But for, for, for that matter, many people are debilitated by their emotions. They hide behind the smile, but honestly, there's a mask that should say, I'm out of order. Can you say amen? Too many people go through life wearing a mask when Jesus paid a price. For us to be free emotionally. When it comes to this subject of depression, we said that every emotion has a cause for it. And the root cause of depression is really fear. We said that that's the root cause of anger. And why do we get angry? Why do we get depressed? Why is it that we get out of sorts emotionally? It's because we don't feel like we're in control, right? How many times do you just sit there, worry about things, worry about the money, worry about the health? And so many things that we worry about are things that we can't control. And isn't it interesting, we worry about the things that we can't control, so if I can't control them, why worry about them? But yet we get into this miracle miracle round of life where my emotions are up and down, up and down. And again, I am consistently fearful of what might come. Have you ever found that what's in the dark, if not attended to, it gets bigger in the dark? Right? Come on, as a kid, I was so afraid of the dark. I don't know what it was, I think my parents tortured me or something, I don't know, they made me watch horror movies, I don't know what it was, but I was terrified of the dark. And I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but as a kid, I had a nightlight that was a literal light in the corner of my room. I mean, it was not dark in my room, it was light in my room, and I was still terrified of the dark. And again, I don't know if you can relate to this, but I can remember as a kid having the, the the covers up to my neck and I am sweating profusely. But it's like there's security in these blankets being up here. You know what I mean? And I remember one time, my cousin and I, we got these kites and there was dragons on the kites and the kites were really cool during the day. But this kite hung up in my room at night and it wasn't so cool. And it hung in the room around the corner of this little f- corner of my room was, when I was a little, real little. And somehow the way that my dad anchored it to the corner came unfastened. And so this kite fell down. And in the midst of it falling down, it crashes. Ah! Man. <laughs> it scared me, man. I'm still tortured by that kite today. As I... What I'm talking about is the things that are in the dark, if we leave them unattended, they become bigger. And this subject of depression is widespread. It's widespread within the church. It's widespread within our nation. Listen to these these statistics. 16 million people deal with a major episode of depression every year. And that number is growing by 20% every single year. That means that people are living in fear. And that fear is growing year by year. Listen to this. The second, I got a little friend here, a little bug, I'll just kind of push you over there. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Concerning, don't know what it was, it just caught my eye. Good thing I'm not afraid of bugs. I'd get depressed. No. (laughs) All right. Concerning emotional distress and depression, suicide is the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 15 and 34. The second leading cause of death. Listen to these. There is more than twice... As many suicides, 44,000 or over 44,000 in the United States, where homicides were only 17,000. Isn't that interesting? And most of those suicides are as a result of gun wounds. Every suicide, or for every suicide, there's 25 attempts. The average daily suicide success rate is roughly 121 deaths per day. Why do people come to this conclusion in their life? Because they feel as though things are out of control. Things are out of control. My life is out of control. And so the only way that I control the out-of-controlness in my life is to take my life. That things have gotten so bad that I'm just going to end it. Now you would say, that is hard to imagine. But you've not necessarily been where some people have been. You don't know how big the monsters have gotten in the dark. You don't know how dark it's gotten in their world. And I don't know if you're like me. I used to be that individual that used to be kind of critical on people that got suicide, thinking, how weak can you be? Just straighten up. Just get your life in order. Stop it. Until it hit me. To where going to bed at night, I was so emotionally, spirit, spiritually, physically exhausted. But yet I could not sleep. Looking at the ceiling, wishing I could go to sleep. But my mind is racing. And for the longest time till I got to the place where I was saying, God, I can't take it no more. God, I give it to you. This is not my burden. This is not my care. This is yours. And I refuse to carry it anymore. I'm telling you, I have empathy for people that struggle with depression, because it is a real thing. But God doesn't want us to be enslaved to the darkness of depression. As I said, darkness is a dark place. Now, if you've ever struggled with depression, see if you can recognize this voice. In Luke chapter 4, verse 9, this was Jesus in the garden when the Bible says that he was led to be tempted. Notice this voice. Then the devil took him into Jerusalem and took him to the highest point of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, jump off. The enemy tried that stuff on Jesus. Just end it. Jump off. Come on, have you ever heard that voice before? Sometimes you're wondering where did that come from? The Bible tells us where that voice came from. You're thinking, oh, dear God, I'm the only one. No, you're not the only one. Jesus himself heard the same voice that you did. Just jump off. And how many of us have ever felt that way? Listen, Jesus knows the struggle, knows the concern, knows the heartache, knows the dark place. Can you say amen? I don't know if you're a people watcher like I am. I I enjoy just kind of studying people. And back in the day, right when I got out of... uh, High school, I went into college, and the first thing that I wanted to do is get into theater. I wanted to be an actor. Isn't that funny? <laughs> but one of the things that I've noticed about the people in the entertainment business, people that are in the entertainment business, they make their life entertaining through putting a mask on. Right? They put on a show. They put on something else that presents itself as reality. But if you've ever listened to many of the entertainers, so many of them say, I struggle with depression. How is it? I mean, they've got money. They've got the glamorous lifestyle. I mean, they're looked up to and idolized. What in the world do you have to be depressed about? It's because there's an emptiness And there's a fear that is raging on the inside of them. And they've not yet found the answer. But the Bible tells us Jesus is the answer. He made a way for us to not be in the dark. Now, I realize that for the sake of us putting a label on it and being able to understand it, this subject of depression, we've identified it and have given it a clinical name But I'm going to tell you something. Depression is from the pit of hell. You might say, well, it's just my emotions. It might be your emotions, but the cause of that emotion is devilish. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and soundness of mind. He says, fear didn't come from me, and fear is the root cause of your depression because you feel like you can't control it. But he says, I've given you soundness and discipline of mind. And on top of that, I've given you love. I love you so much, there's nothing for you to worry about. Obviously, we're not being able to tap into or not identifying with how much God loves us because if we did, we'd realize it's not hopeless. In fact, Jesus paid a price for us to be free from that hopelessness. In Psalms or excuse me, in Proverbs chapter 13 verse 12 in the New Living Translation it says this: Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes what sick? The heart sick. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 25 says this: Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. But a good word makes them glad. Notice he identifies depression with the heart, not the head. See, we've we've assigned that as mental illness or mental distress, and that's where it begins. But God said it's a condition of the heart. If you remember, that there was the man at the pool of Bethesda. He was crippled. He was lame. And Jesus went to minister to him and says, do you want to be made well today? And immediately the man starts to tell him, well, I can't because I don't have somebody to put me in the water. And it seems like everybody gets in front of me. Jesus, the Son of God, the walking miracle and love of God says, today do you want to walk? And he immediately begins to rehearse of all the reason why he can't because I'm depressed and nobody cares about me and I am just not able to get that answer today. How was it that he wasn't able to hear Jesus? Because it had bypassed his thought life and it had gotten into his heart. If your fears and your worries gets beyond just your emotions, it will start to affect your heart. The real you the center core of who you are. It'll affect who you are. In Psalm 42, verse 11, notice what the psalmist says. He says, why are you down? Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix your eyes on God. Why are you down in the dumps? Why are you so blue? Can anybody relate to that? Blue Mondays, hump Wednesday." Thank God it's Friday, right? Listen, with God, there's no blue Mondays. It's just a good day. It's a God day. It's the day that the Lord's made, and I'll choose to rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because he made the day. He gave me breath in my lungs, and he will take care of me. But notice David said he, he, he recognized that with himself, and he asked the question, What is your deal? Why are you so down? Fix your eyes on God. Depression begins with a thought. Fear is the root. He says, fix your eyes on God. And so if that is the conclusion or if that is the answer, then that tells me that depression comes from having my eyes fixed on something else. The word fixed to me means to take hold of or firmly grasp something. So that means that I've got to begin to look at something else and embrace it versus fixing my eyes on God, the one that is the author and the finisher of my faith, the one that loves me, the one that sent Jesus to pay the price for me to be free. Amen? Notice what it says here in Psalms 36, or 38 rather. Psalm 38 verses 6 and verse 8, it says, I am troubled I bow down greatly. I go, I, I go mourning all day long, or all the day long, and I am feeble and severely broken. Or broken, we could say, out of order. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Notice what it says. I'm mourning, grieving, sad all day. Well, not everything about your entire day is bad. But he says, in the midst of the good things, I still mourn. I'm still sad. And then he says, I groan because of the turmoil. What is a groan? A groan is something that you make audibly. Have you ever been around those people? <sighs> they carry that, right? You just, <sighs> How you doing today? Well, having a good day today? Well, let me tell you. How's your marriage? Oh. <laughs> right, groan is audible, and there's something about audible, or the words of your mouth that connects you to the thing that you fear. Because, you see, the Bible says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, he says, the turmoil that you have groaned over has gotten into your heart. But according to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, he says, it first begins with a thought. And if you don't take hold of that thought and bring it into subjection to Christ, he says that thought begins to turn into an argument. Have you ever felt those arguments? Straighten it up. Quit acting that way. But yeah, but you don't know how bad I feel. Come on, it's not as bad as you think it is. Yeah, but what'd she say? Come on, God's faithful. Yeah, but the bills came in. God's still on the throne. Yeah, but the doctor said. And there is this wrestling back and forth, this arguing And it begins to start to creep down into my heart because it started with a thought, but it starts to impact my heart. And then the Bible says that if you don't deal with that argument, it takes a or becomes a stronghold and you take a stronghold of it. And depression becomes a part of your life. It's something that you begin to know. So my question for you is, is what are your eyes fixed on? Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Check up on your words. What do you talk about? Is your conversation always doom and gloom? Is your conversation, oh, poor me, boo-hoo? And I don't say that to be critical, but how many of you know you can get into a rut of always being that way? (sighs) The groaning. Are you here this morning? Just recently, I've had to make an adjustment on my own personal self. One of the things that I've noticed as I've been sitting on the couch, as I've been sitting on the couch, when I get up, I go, ugh. Seriously. And I got to the point where I keep noticing I'm doing that. I'm like, "What what are you groaning for? And I'm really not groaning for any reason, but I've gotten myself into a habit. And that might seem so silly, but that is something that I've noticed has become a habit for me. I'm like, what are you groaning about? You're not hurting. You're not old. You're not that fat. know. <laughs> but I get up, you know, stop it. When you're feeling the emotions of life and all the things caving in and it seems like the monsters are growing in the dark, what do you start doing? You start groaning. The words of your mouth start changing. And out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth begins to speak. And if it gets down into your heart, it has gotten to the place that it's infected you and that's become reality in life. Is this hitting home today? One out of three people find themselves being depressed. Remember we said this, I think this was first, first week? Three people, front row. One, two, three. That's a lot of people being infected and impacted by depression, isn't it? As I said to you, it is demonic. You might say, that's kind of squirrely. I don't like you using those words. Well, if you don't believe in the devil, you will. And I'm not saying that this is like spooky weird. I'm just saying the devil is trying to keep us in a position of being fearful and being under his thumb and under his control. And God says, I want you to be free. So what is it that causes us to be enslaved to fear? Depression. A couple different things we could look at. Number one, there's chemical imbalances. Maybe there's a chemical imbalance in in your brain. That lends itself to that. Okay. But the Bible says Jesus is the healer. Jesus came that we would not have a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and soundness of mind. Did you notice that he said soundness of mind, not soundness of brain? So that means that you might have some chemical imbalance in the brain, but God can heal your mind that it will cause you to be free from fear. You doing okay? I'll give you another example. Do you remember the story of Lazarus and the rich man? And the Bible says that Lazarus from hell, said, or excuse me, the rich man from hell says to Lazarus, hey, can you go back and tell my family? Well, he is no longer a physical being. He is a spirit being, right? But the Bible says he still has a mind that remembers his earthly life. So beyond this natural existence, beyond the physical brain, you still have a mind. Amen. Maybe that's a little deep, but praise the Lord. We're free. And we don't have time to get into that. All right. Secondly, it's generational. It can be environmental. Did you ever notice that the way you think, the way you act, the way you talk has been taught to you? You've learned it. Man, there's so many things that I do as a parent that I'm like, man, that sounded just like dad. There's times that my wife says, hey, Ken, how are you doing? Shut up. I <laughs> thought that's a bad thing. I'm just saying there's things that you become, that you do, that you act, that you think. You're programmed. Your parents teach you how to think. And if your mom and dad was depressed, what do you think you're going to begin to live life like? That same pattern is going to be taught into your makeup as to think depressed, act depressed, think the worst, groan in the midst of circumstances. Everything just goes wrong in my life. Nobody knows the woes that I've seen. Right? Maybe it's a household that has been filled with substance. And therefore, as an adult, you indulge in substance. Maybe you abuse it. But did you know alcohol and drugs, many of them are depressants? But then in the midst of being depressed, well, let me just drink a little bit more. Make me feel better. I'll just add fuel to the fire. Praise the Lord. I don't have to think anymore. I'll come back in the morning with a headache. But that's been programmed into us. How many adults today struggle with addictions because mom and dad did? and it was genetic that has been ingrained into them to live a life that causes them to be depressed. Amen? Spiritually, it is a spiritual condition. Concerning sickness at its core, sickness is not from God. When it comes to your thought life, God says you take control of your thoughts. And just as I said, the Bible says that there are what's called familiar spirits. In the Old Testament... Over nine times, it talks of familiar spirits. Why are they familiar? Because they're familiar with you. They know exactly what buttons to push. They've been raised in your home, your parents' home, your grandparents' home, your great-great-grandparents' home, and you have been genetically and been modified to think a certain way, and that familiar spirit that has programmed your family knows just how to push your buttons. And once again, you may not think so, but just look at your family tree, and you'll find that there's a pattern. I've got a family tree of serving God. I've got a family tree of families spiritually being healthy. Why? Because it's been programmed into me. Not brainwashed into me, but lived out in front of me. Can you say amen? So how do I get free? I know I'm running short on time. How do I get free? How do I remove the mask? Number one, I've got to stop blaming others. I got to come to a place where I do not blame somebody for where I'm at today. Today I am where I'm at because of the choices that I made. Therefore, I've got a purpose to own where I'm at today and choose to make a move from where I'm at today. John chapter 16, verse 33, it says this He says, I have told you all this so that you may be at peace, or that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus said, Listen, Don't think it's strange. You're going to go through stuff. You're going to face hardships, but I've overcome them. Number two, he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. What are you fixing your eyes on? Number two, fix your eyes on Jesus. Who's Jesus in Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5? It says, but in fact, he, Jesus, has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows and our pains, yet we ignorantly and assume that he was stricken and struck down by God. And disregarded the, uh, degraded and humiliated him by God, but his stripes are but by his stripes we are healed. He said Jesus carried our grief and our sorrows, and how he healed the grief and the sorrow and the pain that this life will try to infect you with, it was paid for by the stripes of Jesus. But I'm carrying this, I know. Turn your eyes. Fix them on Jesus, the one that's carried your pain. Give it to him. Number three, take your thoughts and your words captive. How do I do that? I've got to renew my mind by the word of God. I've got to talk like God does. How do I find out? I find out what God says through his word. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. For I am God's chosen. I'm the apple of his eye. He loves me. He loves me so much that he sent Jesus to die for my sins. I'm special. Come on. The more that you purpose to see yourself through the eyes of what God sees and agree with him and say that, it will change your focus. And number four, embrace the support that God has given you. This is huge. Because you were never meant to do life by yourself. And in your darkest moment, that's when you isolate and seclude yourself. Because I don't want to be around nobody. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want anybody to know. I just want to be by myself. I just want to close my eyes. I just want to medicate. I don't want to deal with this right now. But God says there is a system, there is a plan, there is something that is available to you to support you in the midst of your darkest hours. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says this, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Verse 10 says, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help, but somebody, with a fall, but somebody who falls alone is in real trouble. God never meant for you to do this life by yourself. If you fall, don't fall by yourself. Extend a hand. Now, people will say oftentimes, well, you know what? When it comes to church, everybody's got their friends. It's real clicky, and I just don't have any friends. They just don't invite me in. And that is a big tactic of the enemy to keep you depressed. Notice what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man who has friends must himself first be friendly. If you want friends, be a friend. Don't keep waiting for it. Initiate it. And you'll find that within your church family, you've got more support than you think you have. They'll love on you. They won't criticize you. They'll strengthen and empower you to do what God's called you to do. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I thank you that, Lord, we are free from the depression and the snares and the chains that the enemy tries to captivate us with. God, I pray that you would help us focus on you, turn to our church family, and find freedom that we so desperately long for. And so, Father, right now, anyone that's in this place listening online, if they are struggling with depression, If life feels like it's closing in, Jesus, we stand with them right now. And in the name of Jesus, we break your hold on their life and on their mind right now. You cease and desist right now. And you'll stop with the lies. You'll stop with the confusion. You'll stop with the fear now in Jesus' name. And we declare that they're free and free indeed in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.